0: I tried many things. I tried diets and pills and potions and lotions and exercise programs and therapy and 12-step programs and self-help books. I mean, you name it, I tried it. Nothing I did worked until I finally came to see and was, was shown that my problem really is so much deeper than food. And it's really got nothing to do with food. Food was what I used to really
1: cover over my emotions. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, we are talking to my dear friend, Trisha Nielsen, about how to overcome emotional eating now. Have you ever wondered if your eating habits are tied to stress, overwhelm, shame, or even anxiousness? Trisha is here today to help you figure that out. But before Trisha comes on to share her incredible story and her path to overcoming emotional eating, I wanna share with you a quick resource that i created to support your women's hormone journey as you may know i am working on my newest book right now called the essential oil hormone solution and i can't wait to share it with you but in the meantime since the book writing process takes a little bit of time i created this perfect hormone recipe cheat sheet with my six favorite hormone support remedies that deal with some of the biggest issues around emotional eating, such as stress, mood swings, brain fog, and fatigue. And here's why I created this for you. When it comes to having a rescue plan in place for hormonal imbalance, essential oils are incredibly powerful at creating hormonal harmony in a matter of minutes. The results you will experience will be immediate and transformational. Essential oils can be incredibly effective at promoting harmony in your mind and body, regardless of how much you feel like a stranger in your own skin. These top five hormone balancing recipes address stress, fatigue, sugar cravings, brain fog, hot flashes, mood swings, and more. Now today, specifically i've already used my instant energy blend and my banish brain fog blend because i needed a little bit of assistance after editing my book manuscript for over four hours that's what happens when you write over a hundred thousand words for your manuscript and you've got to cut it down to make sure that it hits word count now if you are ready to create hormone balance with powerful essential oil remedies then you're going to want to grab this incredible cheat sheet. I also have a bonus hormone blend just for you. And you can find this cheat sheet in the show notes at drmarisa.com slash episode 30 or just go to drmarisa.com slash hormone blends. I know you're gonna love this easy to implement cheat sheet as much as I do. Now, let's get back to overcoming emotional eating with my dear friend, Trisha Nielsen. I know you are gonna love her as much as I do. But before I bring her on, I wanna quickly sing her praises. Trisha Nielsen lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. Trisha has spent nearly 30 years researching the hidden causes of addictive personality, she is an emotional eating expert and the author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Steps to Ending Emotional Eating Now. She is also the host of the popular podcast, Heal Your Hunger Show. She's a highly regarded speaker and coach and has been featured on shows like NBC, CBS, Fox News, and Discovery Health.
0: Trisha, honey, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. Good to, see, to sort of see you, <laughs> not seeing you, hearing you, sorry.
1: <laughs> well, I am I am so excited to have you on here. It's so interesting. You know, I've had so many of, of my readers reach out to me recently, literally asking for this very subject. And we're going to be talking about specifically emotional eating and how to heal your hunger. And I, I'm so excited to dive on in. So let's just get on into it. Let's do it. Awesome. So that first question I want to ask, because I always, it's so important to me, that journey, because I know that I care to see where you've come from, but also the readers really do care as well. And what is your journey with emotional eating and how did it lead you to start this amazing movement, this Heal Your Hunger movement?
0: Well, yeah, it totally was born out of my own personal hell. <laughs> so I, I think, was an emotional eater from the get go. I mean, as far back as I can remember, I was obsessed with food, and I, I mean, I gained weight as a kid. But it wasn't until adolescence that it really started to bug me because I got, I really blew up like a balloon as an adolescent. But eating never bothered me. I was really fine with it. <laughs> it was the consequences that I didn't like. So I was obsessed with. Food. I love to eat food, cook it, serve it to other people, anything having to do with food, go out to restaurants. I mean, I would have heart palpitations practically when my family was planning to go out to dinner because I, you know, could eat all these things I wouldn't normally be served at home. And and so it was just such a highlight for me and so emotionally driven for me. And, you know, as I said, it wasn't until I started gaining weight, you know, in adolescence that I was really starting to get pretty miserable about how I looked and I was fatter than my friends friends and i just uh, couldn't help it i mean i just was overweight and i had a big roll on my tummy my just naturally had this big tummy and i would scrunch it up in my hands and i'd imagine cutting it off like literally like you would cut off this fat off of a side of a steak or or i thought about getting some rare disease where i automatically lost weight without trying and or going to boot camp at, in the army and being forced to exercise because <laughs> i hated exercise so these crazy outlandish things I would imagine just as some desperate attempt to really get control of my weight because I didn't have control over my weight or what I was eating. And even though I go on diets here and there, I would always put the weight back on. Like I'd be quote good for a while and then I'd just break out and I'd eat the foods I really wanted to eat. And so it was that way for so long and it was really so frustrating to me. And what happened was that I tried tried many things. I tried diets and pills and potions and lotions and exercise programs and therapy and 12-step programs and self-help books. I mean, you name it, I tried it. Nothing I did worked until I finally came to see and was was shown that my problem really is so much deeper than food. And it's really got nothing to do with food. Food was what I used to really cover over my emotions. And so what I did is I, I began this journey of really understanding the connection between my emotions and what I ate and my food cravings, and that Healing journey completely shifted my life. I mean, it it changed my life, and I was able to lose 50 pounds and keep it off. And that was close to 30 years ago. So that's really what drove me. And I really made a commitment at that time to show other people what I had found because it was so profound and so different from what's out there that I just am driven and very passionate about helping other people break free from emotional
1: eating. Gosh, what an amazing story. And I know that you've had you've come such a long way. Hey, I wanted to ask, even in those 30 years, have there been moments of relapse? Have there ever been moments where you felt like you needed to kind of reset the system to make sure that you stayed on top of of this emotional eating? Like, was I perfect for 30 years? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Were you perfect for 30 years? I think cause, cause 30 years is a long time ago, right? Yeah, and that's how so- long,
0: that's my entire adult life. Yes, absolutely. I had times when I fell back and slipped and and those times were when I wasn't, keeping in touch with my emotional life and the underlying causes, frankly. I mean, in my book, I talk to people about, or my course as well, about these, I call it the anatomy of the emotional eater. And there's 24 character traits that really make up the emotional eater's experience and, and sort of how they orient themselves towards life. Things like people pleasing, being deeply sensitive, overthinking things, having a racing mind. You know, these traits are very germane to the emotional eater's experience. And that's why this problem and the solution really has very little to do with food, because it's really about the way I live. I mean, living, I had a living problem more than I had an eating problem. And so when I haven't stayed on top of that, or I've lost my connection with my self care habits, like I've, I've let those go by the wayside. Absolutely, you know, food does rear its ugly head, you know, and so that compulsion. And so I mean, I always nowadays feel grateful that I have this, you know, We've all got something that drives us to be better, and mine happens to have been being mo- an emotional eater, and it has completely driven me to be better. You know, and to do the things to meditate, to pray, to do all the things I do on a daily basis. I do them really because the things I do help me not have to overeat a day at a time. And so, even though it's such a inconvenience and such a really burden or cross to bear on the one hand to have a food addiction, um, on the other hand, it's driven me to be the person I am today and to heal in so many ways that I don't think I ever would have had I not had this problem.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Oh my goodness. Well, I was just curious because I was thinking to myself, you know, as for all the women that are going to be listening on this call, so often we're so afraid of failure. And we think that if we're going to fail at this, it's not even worth doing.
0: And, oh so my goodness. I, you know, yeah.
1: and I'm sure you encounter that all of the time. And, and in those 30 years, I'm sure that there had been some moments where when the overwhelm or stress or whatever it may have been probably took over a little bit and you kind of find yourself probably not entirely back in those habits at all, but just a little bit of that slippage, right? And that there's a way to catch that moment and kind of get yourself back on track.
0: Absolutely. And the thing is that there's no cure and I don't ever, like, I don't ever say, oh, I used to be and I'm not anymore. It's really a day at a time. And my freedom, I mean, I have incredible freedom and that's what I show other people have, but it's totally contingent on the way that I live my life. So I can fall back if I'm not striving to make those changes in my life. But it's always one day at a time. You know, that's all we have. We do the best we can with what we have, you
1: know, on each given day. And that's really all that that can be expected. I think that's so great. So I'm thinking about both of us are in the United States and we, we have this huge obesity epidemic. And we have a lot of people struggling around food and I would, I would wager a guess and you would know better than I, you know, how many people do you think are dealing mostly with an emotional eating or food addiction with this epidemic? Are we talking about majority of people who are eating, eating too much or overeating is oftentimes connected to an emotional trauma or to an addiction of some sort?
0: Well, I mean, if you consider one in three people are obese now in our country, you know, I'd say anybody who chronically struggles with food and weight is an. a emotional eater if not a, f- a food addict, and, and it's really a spectrum of where you are on that spectrum. But I mean, it is completely an epidemic and, and yet 98% of all diets fail. And so you're, I mean, what you're looking at is literally 98% of all the things people try aren't working, you know? So it's a really hopeless situation. And I believe 98% of all diets fail because they're diets. They're, they're meant to treat the symptom, not the real problem. And that's, that's obviously Going to bring somebody to a sense of failure because the problem underneath is still there, and and what that problem really is, I mean, I always like to whittle it down to three primary emotions, and I call it the PEP test, and, and anybody can take the PEP test if they're having struggles with food or they're feeling cravings, and it might not at first be something they can identify, but if they practice this, you know, over time they'll be able to spot it. But I call it the PEP test, and PEP is a an acronym, and P stands for painkiller, So we use food as a painkiller, and that's either pain from our past. You know, I mean, I had sexual abuse in my past, and that certainly drove me to eat and to cover up my body with fat. Based on our childhood, oftentimes we get into bad situations in our adulthood, you know, unhealthy relationships or job situations, abusive bosses, whatever. You know, so we have pain in our lives, and then we turn to food to anesthetize that pain. So pain is a big driver. The E and PEP stands for escape. And so much of the time, emotional eaters are trying to just check out, like life has just become too much of a burden. Like I just didn't want to deal with anything or, you know, I was super responsible. I was a good girl. Lots of emotional eaters are good girls, you know, and, and so we're doing everything right. And then we just fall back in exhaustion. Like I can't possibly keep it up anymore. And we get our favorite foods and we watch TV and we shut the door and say, just don't leave me alone, you know? And then, uh, but a lot of that comes from fear, actually. It's like, we're trying to escape just you know a sense of overwhelm and just fear of everything we have on our plate and the he and the acronym pep stands for punishment and a lot of people don't think about this but truthfully guilt plays a big part in our overeating and Either guilt from the things we've done or thought or said, or we grew up just being, you know, believing or being taught that we were bad, you know, if we were in a harsh religious upbringing, perhaps, you know, we were born in sin and raised in iniquity or, you know, whatever, whatever the training. And we just feel this heavy sense of guilt. And emotional eaters being very sensitive, we Beat the crap out of ourselves, you know? And then what better way to do that is with food. So we actually, even though food seems like a treat, you know, we set out to just treat ourselves. For the emotional eater, it turns ugly really fast. And like what seems like a treat turns into a binge. It lasts half the night, you know, we're up on Facebook or watching, binge watching our favorite TV show. And before you know it, you know, we're tired, we're exhausted, we're stuffed, we've got zits on our face. We don't want to, you know, get together with friends because we're bloated. I mean, that's not a treat, right? That's actually a form of punishment. And so we're actually doing that to ourselves. So the three primary drivers are really the pain, the fear and the guilt. And those are things we don't look at. But if someone will sort of start peering underneath their drive to eat chocolate or their drive to go to that ice cream store every single time they're driving home from work, they might see some of
1: the emotions that are bubbling up that they're trying to really anesthetize with food. Wow. Oh my goodness. And I think, I mean, I was listening to that and thinking how many people can relate to all of those and maybe hadn't even thought about it before. You know, I had an interesting relationship with food early in, even in my high school years, I would totally starve or I would do binging and purging. A lot of people don't know this. And it was very much just being able to get control over my life. I felt things were just falling out of control. And I was trying, there was the one thing I could control what I was putting in and sending out of my body And it took me a long time to heal that. And I think about anytime I fall into these pitfalls, oftentimes I know we talked on your podcast about – Feeding this unmet need, this stress monster, or this energy monster, and oftentimes, if I'm, you know, if I'm falling into that emotional eating pattern, it's oftentimes I'm trying to feed exhaustion and overwhelm. Right? I'm trying to give myself. I, I think that that's going to be the need that I'm feeling. and it doesn't happen to me that much anymore. But I know that when I start to crave something, it's always because I'm craving this, wanting to appease this overwhelm and the stress I'm dealing with. I'm never hungry. It's not because I'm hungry, you know, and it's always something so much deeper than me being nourished, right? Eating,
0: no no eating question about it.
1: I know. When I want to go back to something that I wanted to ask you a while ago. I, I had some other great juicy questions and I was like, Ooh, I need to go back to this. And what I want to know is how does one know if they are an emotional eater or food addict? And I mean, I think it's the, it's the pep test that pep, but anything else you can Tune us into. So I think everyone's realizing very quickly that they are emotional eaters.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think everybody is. I mean, I think our nature is to like food and have an emotional attachment to food. I think God probably. Fashion does that way. So we'd subsist, you know, but I think that people take it farther than others. And I actually have a quiz, which I'm offering as a little freebie here. And I just recommend people take the quiz because it actually will show them where they are on the spectrum. And it's really just a spectrum, you know, In the low end, somebody's just likes food or they have an emotional love of food, but they can pull themselves back, but other people can't pull themselves back and they eat until they're absolutely sick, you know, and that's more in the food addiction realm. So if somebody, takes that quiz, they're going to get a personalized score, and they're going to find out where they are on that spectrum, you know, what level of severity their problem is, and then what to do about it. But I think that generally, if somebody is chronically frustrated with their their weight, they need to look deeper. Overweight is a symptom of overeating and overeating is a symptom of what's eating you. So it's just a matter of what emotions are underneath that people can start identifying. Because so much of the time, I just thought I liked food. I mean, that's the problem is it's, it seems food is such a enjoyable and socially acceptable thing. So it's it's hard to see it as an addiction or something dark. But I think if somebody feels out of control often and, if, and it bothers them, then that's you know probably a good place to start in identifying
1: emotional eating. And I wanted to get to that subject as well, because my goodness, if indeed people are saying to themselves, man, I just love food and oh my God, I hear that all the time. And and grow, you know, I've been, I've always lived in big cities where everyone's always trying out the new restaurant or going to the new bar or doing, you know, always a new thing. It's very cultural on top of other reasons why we're we're eating and we're all kind of feeding into this. But how do we begin to differentiate Between emotional and physical hunger, like how do I know when it's that unmet need I'm trying to stuff out versus I truly need to feed my cells the nutrition that they deserve? It's so important to
0: ask that question because because I'm telling you, emotional hunger mimics physical hunger so exactly. Like I'm amazed in my I've been doing this work for thirty years now, and yet when I sometimes I'm emotionally hungry, I'm like, I can swear this is physical, you know? Right? Right. Like I just know it is. It kind of feels physical, right? <laughs> it does. It's so crazy and so seductive. And and one of the things that really has saved my butt so many times is the fact that I have a structure to my meals. I, I call it three meal magic, and it's three meals a day with nothing in between. And I'm telling you that nothing in between isn't easy. I mean, for me it's just a way of life, but starting out for something not easy and, and it's something that people in my my program go through and they support each other in going through and making that transition but having a structure of meals where there's a time to eat and there's a time not to eat helps you because in between those, it's really not a diet plan, it's really to help people identify their emotions. So if my breakfast is typically at 7am at 9.30 when I have a, phone call, a stressful call, phone call to make and I'm all of a sudden thinking now what's in the fridge left over from yesterday? You know, I I stop and I think, no, Trisha, are you really, I have literally I have this little conversation in my head. Are you really hungry? I'm like, I'm, and then I'm like, well, it's 9:30. I ate two and a half hours ago and I had a good breakfast. You know, the key obviously is to have a healthy meal, not skimp, but not skip meals. So I can tell, you know, I pretty much will have this conversation and say to myself, no, you're not hungry. You you're seeing you know, like something's going on. Oh, I have this stressful phone call to make. Oh, it's clearly emotional. Whereas if it's 12 o'clock, you know, it's five hours after breakfast, chances are my hunger, Pangs are physical for real, you know? And so that really cuts out a lot of the guesswork. And I can't tell you how many hours in a day I used to spend thinking is it time to eat or is it okay if i eat or or should i eat or you know am i hungry i mean all that guessing and of course i'd end up saying oh i'd convince myself yeah yeah it's time to eat <laughs> so it's really important to have some kind of structure around meals if you want to overcome the problem because that just makes it more clear and you can do the really the sleuth work that way and it helps you just identify the
1: emotions that much more easily we have a three meal structure as well and i absolutely agree with you i don't eat in between the meals I'm not disillusioned. I always know that if I'm going to the fridge in between meals, it's not because I'm hungry. Yeah. It's not because my body's like, man, it's been a while since you ate. Yeah. I think about our good friend, JJ Virgin, and mm-hmm. she's all about the no snacking, right? Yes. Because if you eat those three solid meals with all of the good nutrition that that goes along with it, there is no need for snacking at all. Those snacks can just really get us into trouble. So that reminds me like how important it is to have a structure. And if you could go by that structure, what a win. Oh my gosh. I mean,
0: you cut out so many calories in a day if you're not snacking. I mean, because there no snack food is like lettuce, you know, pieces of lettuce. So like most snack foods are dense and high in calories and sugar and starch. And so if you're sticking your three meals you're, and that's not your food, you know, then guess what? You're saving yourself a ton of pain.
1: One of the things that Michael Pollan had said a long time ago when he had that that food rules book is he had to ask yourself, am I hungry enough to eat an apple? And if you're not, most likely, you're not hungry. So that's kind of the question I ask myself is like, am I hungry enough? I mean, I'm so diligent about my three times a day that it doesn't matter. But occasionally, if that happens, like if I had a small meal or something, I would ask myself, am I hungry enough to eat an apple? Or is this something else? And so I I love very specifically that you are educating people to ask themselves, like, what is really going to serve me right now? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. No question about it. We have to, we have to connect, you know, we're, we're running
0: around so fast doing so many things, you know, and that's the emotional eaters plight, you know, we're overdoers as well as overthinkers, you know? And so we've got way too much on our plate, so to speak. And we're just, you know, overloaded and, The problem is that we're stressed out and we're not connected to ourselves. Like we really, we're working, operating from the neck up and and it's all, we're all in our heads, but not in our heart, not in our bodies. And we're really disconnected from our true selves. And that causes so much of our problem. And, you know, it's really about getting back to being conscious if we ever were, but just really sort of taking that journey from our head to our heart so we can start to listen and start to really tune in to what's going on inside. And that'll not just affect your eating. I mean, it'll affect your relationships. It affects your focus, your ability to work and and be productive. And I mean, your connection with spirit. I mean, so many different things are just improved from that
1: journey. Well, the next thing I wanted to ask you are, and I know we dove a little bit into kind of having that structure, but, you know, I know there's a lot of people on the call who are like, okay, this is probably my issue. This is probably my concern. What are three things that you would recommend somebody who's listening right now to do so they can end that emotional eating? Because, I, you know, once you recognize, holy moly, there's a problem, I know the next thought is like, okay, what do I do? What do I do about this? How do I even manage this? Yeah, well,
0: I think it's, first of all, important to start looking at your stress you know, like where are you doing too much? And are you doing somebody else's work? Emotional eaters are consummate people pleasers. So they're always saying yes. And they're always, you know, feeling like it's it's their job to raise their hand and say, I'll do it, you know, when the the, the meeting at work is happening and somebody's like, Oh, somebody's gotta throw on this party or whatever, and there's a silent, you know, that that uncomfortable, awkward silence, you know, and it's always the emotional eater who raises her hand first. And you know, to really scale back, like scale back on doing as much as you do because, and of course that presents issues because the the less you do, the more feelings you're going to (laughs) feel. So, and that's necessary. That's actually a good thing, but I'm just saying that's, you know, that's why we are so busy so much of the time is we don't want to really come face to face with our emotions, but stress is a main culprit of emotional eating. So look at your stress, where can you delegate some of the chores that you have or the Projects that you do? Where are you codependently taking on other people's work and pulling back? Because, of course, when we people please, we end up resentful, not only exhausted, but also resentful. And that's the perfect storm for a binge, you know, being resentful and tired. And so we, you know, we have to look at these things. We have to take a look at our lives and and what's going on in our lives. So I'd say stress is the number one thing if you can adopt some kind of self-care habit. So one thing people can do is adopt some kind of quiet time in the morning where they're meditating or they're just sort of doing a time out that's super important just to connect with themselves. But just in terms of literally what people can do to really not emotionally eat, and I say, uh, you need to get involved with a community of people who are also on this path, because fighting food on your own, if you are an emotional eater is virtually impossible. I have obviously the heal your hunger in my program, I have a community of people going through this process. So I welcome people to be a part of that. But some way, somehow people have to get connected with other emotional eaters. It's just like Alcoholics Anonymous for for alcoholics is no one can stop drinking on their own. They have to have that community benefit, you know, and, and I think that's
1: vital for people is to stop trying to do it alone and on your own. This is your expertise, 30 years of experience. I know you've had an opportunity to work with so many people. And I want to shed some light on a couple of the people that you've worked with. Would you be open to sharing some stories, just letting us into what that healing process looks like? It's just some stories about someone who's not only gone through the program, but have really identified those emotional triggers and have been able to really get a stronghold on how they're eating.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So many different people. I think of one gal in my program who's a new mom and she's married to an alcoholic. And so that's a lot of stress in her life. And she, before she started my program, she was not only eating all the time to deal with her stress, but she also didn't have a voice in her relationship. You know, she was very mousy. And in my program, I really teach people a lot about communication because, you know, we stuff our words with food and we don't speak up. We don't say what we really feel. And mean, and she's just come out of herself and really speaks up for herself now. And it's had a direct impact on what she eats. She also has a meditation practice, and as a new mom, you can imagine how important that is that somebody take that time and and sort of uh, recharge. I have another gal in my program who is a single mom of three, and she works from home and she's a professional, and she has a lot of stress and she before my program, just was very unhealthy in her habits. I mean, she intended to eat well, but because of lack of time and just really support, she just always ended up just going for the quick, you know, foods and the easy to eat foods and foods out of bags and boxes and on account of my program and the the different self-care habits that she began getting support and adopting and also just raising her consciousness about her connection between her, her emotions and food. She completely cleaned up her act and now just cooks really healthy meals and her family's on board with it. And it's changed so many things in her life. I mean, this is not really about food. And so people's lives transform when they go through my program. I mean, it's just, you know, so many people live in darkness with this problem. They feel so alone. And so like, they always feel like they're the only ones. And to be in a community of people who have eaten the same way, I mean, done crazy things with food is such a big relief for people. And, and they communicate like in the Facebook group and, and support each other. So, so a lot of people on there, I mean, some men, but mostly women who are just, I mean, some people who live live out in the boonies and some people who live, you know, in urban environments. So, I mean, I've like one woman has a farmer and she literally farms all the food that she eats. <laughs> and then there's other people, of course, who are, you know, living in cities and, and meaning to work. But just any kind of woman who is just struggling and has fought her weight for a long, long time. I think this is, to me, the crux of the problem. And it's, what, it's where people aren't necessarily looking, but it's what really unlocks the freedom for
1: them. I absolutely 100% agree. The last question I wanted to ask you, and I, I'm super excited to ask you, this is a question I've been asking all of my amazing experts. And that question is, what is one daily habit that you do or a natural solution that you utilize that really moves the needle for you and your well-being, my dear?
0: I do so many, but I talked about one. I was on JJ's podcast the other day, so I want to choose something different, and that is that I walk and pray every morning. I call it my walk-pray. And so every morning, it really helps me to go out for a walk. And it's not a very long walk. Sometimes I have a block around my house, like one block. If I take a right out my door and go one block, it's half a mile. And so I like to do it four times, but I often don't have time. So even if I just do one time around the block. And I talk, I put earbuds in my ears connected to my phone. So it looks like I'm talking on the phone. And I literally talk out loud to God. And I do this early in the mornings. So there's not a lot of people around, but just in case. And I just talk out loud and I just express gratitude for the things I'm grateful for. And I pray for the things I'm needing help with. And that, connect, that spiritual connection, it just sets my head right. I mean, I do meditate every day, but this sets my head right. And I, it just is very special to me. I really love it. And I mean, I do that without fail wherever I am. I just, I need to make that, that spiritual connection.
1: I bet it sets the tone for your day in such a great way. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, my dear, I want you to talk a little bit about your gift. I know you mentioned it just a moment ago, but could you tell us a little bit more about this quiz? It sounds like everyone really needs to take it because really discovering if this is a key issue or not is knowing can really dictate how to heal and how to get your eating on track. Absolutely.
0: It's called the Emotional Eating Quiz. And when you take this quiz, it's super easy. it takes take you probably three minutes to complete. But it will literally give you a personalized score and tell you where you are on the spectrum of emotional eating or food addiction. So you can know where you are. And then, it'll, and then I'll give you specific action steps you can take based on the level that you're at.
1: Well, I am super excited, and everyone, I know I'm going to be talking a little bit about how to get to her, but you can find Trisha at HealYourHunger.com, and she also has a Facebook group called Heal Your Hunger as well, so definitely check her out. Please go and get that quiz, especially if you want to get a sense of what to do next. Trisha, honey, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. This was such a blessing to have you. I know that you are changing lives every single day with this message because it's such a profound and necessary message that we need right now. It certainly is.
0: And I just I thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to chat with you.
1: Thank you so much, honey. Have a good day. You too. I am so grateful that Trisha took a moment and shared her powerful story with us today. So often our eating habits are rooted in emotional upheaval. And we've all been there. We eat because we are stressed or we're experiencing guilt, shame, and so many other emotions that sometimes we can't identify. Now, if you are wondering if emotional eating is playing a role in your life, I want to invite you to take that first step and take Trisha's quiz. This quiz is designed to figure out if you are an emotional eater or a food addict. Again, Trisha has been doing this for several decades, and she is my go-to guru when it comes to helping people heal from their emotional healing wounds. So I want you to head on over to my show notes at drmarisa.com episode 30 and go grab the quiz. You can also go to drmarisa.com podcast. Now I know this is a hard conversation to have, but it has to begin somewhere, and I'm grateful that Trisha was brave enough to decide to spread this powerful message with us today. Now also don't forget to grab my best hormone essential oil remedies by going to drmarisa.com slash hormone blends. Well, as always, thank you for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. The upcoming episode is devoted to healing pain naturally with my favorite pain expert, Dr. Joe Tata. Dr. Joe Tata is the best selling author of Healing Pain Now. He is known for integrating neuroscience, nutrition, psychology, and movement into simple treatments for lasting pain relief. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. You're definitely going to want to tune in. Dr. Joe Tada has figured out the secret sauce to healing pain naturally, which is so big. Now, last thing I would love for you to do so we can continue to spread the word on subjects like emotional eating and healing pain and hormone support, just take a moment, head on over to iTunes or wherever you want to go, review the Essentially You podcast so that I can continue to serve so many amazing women just like yourself who are ready to become healers in their own home. Until then, have an incredible day.